Colgate Palmolive Pete, makers of Colgate Dental Cream, Luster Cream Shampoo, and Palmolive Shaving Creams, bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. And we take this joyous opportunity to wish you, on behalf of Colgate Palmolive Pete, a glorious Merry Christmas. And now, Our Miss Brooks. Time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, most of us spent Christmas Eve with our families and friends. But Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, wasn't quite so fortunate. No, my family was too far away to visit, and it seems my friends had other plans. But I made up my mind not to brood about it, and was trimming a rather tiny tree in our living room when my landlady, Mrs. Davis, joined me. What a nice tree, Connie. It isn't really, Mrs. Davis, but it's the only one I could afford. Oh, what did you pay for it? I found it in a vacant lot. <laughs> what I like about it is the size. It's not too big or too small. It's just too small. <laughs> I'd like to stay here and celebrate Christmas Eve with you, Connie, but I promised my sister Angela I'd come over to her place. You remember Angela? The absent-minded one. Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. She always got a big thrill out of the holidays, even when we were girls. Of course, the poor dear could never remember when it was actually Christmas. And one Christmas morning, she did the funniest thing. What's that, Mrs. Davis? What's what, dear? <laughs> what did Angela do? Angela. Your sister. My sister. The absent-minded one. What did she do? I haven't spoken to Angela in some time. <laughs> what has she been up to? That's what I'd like to know. Maybe I can refresh your memory. Christmas morning, Angela did the funniest thing. Christmas morning isn't until tomorrow, Connie. <laughs> you must be confused. Well, don't worry about it. I only get these spells once in a while. <laughs> Well, you shouldn't let it go, Connie. If you don't mind my offering a little advice, I'd like to suggest that you train your mind to concentrate more. I'll do it, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> now, I've developed a little scheme which works wonders for me. Supposing you have trouble remembering where you put things around the house. Well, you just keep repeating the location to yourself with a sort of rhythm. For example, I just chant to myself, the mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. Now, isn't that simple? Oh. Mustard's in the closet, bread is in the box. That's wonderful, Mrs. Davis. If anybody wants a mustard sandwich, you're really ready. Yes. Now, uh, before I do anything else, I want to invite you to join me tonight. Join you? Yes, dear. I'm going over to, uh, uh, to, uh... Angela's house? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's so cute with that little absent mind of hers. Why, <laughs> sometimes she forgets what she's talking about right in the middle of a sentence, and, uh, oh, dear me, I hope that cat's got enough milk. Well, I'm sure if we, uh... <laughs> but then, maybe someday, or if it doesn't seem too... And that's why I can't join you tonight. <laughs> Thanks anyway, Mrs. Davis. I'll just spend a quiet evening at home here. But how about Mr. Boynton? 
Don't tell me he was too shy to ask you for a date on Christmas Eve. Why do you think there's mistletoe on all four walls? <laughs> no, Mr. Boynton asked me all right, but then he canceled yesterday. Said he's going upstate to visit his folks for a couple of days. But don't worry about me, Mrs. Davis. I'll have a gay time. I'll listen to the radio, read, and from this window I can see our neighbor's television antenna. <laughs> What about the little gifts you've got for Walter Denton and Mr. and Mrs. Conklin and Harriet? When are you going to deliver them? Oh, they told me not to bother. They said we'd exchange on the 26th. The 26th? But I don't think the day after Christmas is the time to exchange gifts. You don't? You should see the department stores. <laughs> What's that, Mrs. Davis? It's Minerva. Where are you, dear? Oh, she's over by the tree. <laughs> Here, Rover, uh, Minerva. <laughs> Isn't it the strangest thing how she bites at the pine needles? I guess the rosin in them appeals to her. I'd swear she likes the taste of it. I guess to her it's like a Tom and Jerry, or rather a Minnie and Mickey. <laughs> come on, Minerva, come on over here. We might as well get friendly. We're going to spend the evening together. <laughs> well, I'll be running along now, dear. I hope you won't feel too lonely. Oh, I'll be fine, Mrs. Davis. After all, I do have an imagination. I'll hang my stocking up in a little while, and then when I'm pretending that I'm asleep, I'll sneak in and fill it. <laughs> oh, before you know it, it'll be midnight. Midnight of Christmas Eve. I can just picture it. A short, thin man in a black suit comes sliding down the chimney with an empty bag. St. Penniless, the schoolteacher Santa Claus. <laughs> You're not bitter. Now, Connie, about my... <laughs> my sister... Uh, Angela. Uh, oh, thank you, dear. About my sister Angela. Yes? Good night, Dorothy. Good night, Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop drinking those pine needles, Minerva. Come on over here. There's a good kitty. Now I'll just settle down in Mrs. Davis's rocker and we'll have ourselves a nice, quiet rock. I've got to exercise more. My bones are rusting. <laughs> oh, it's the rocker. It's kind of soothing at that. Oh, you seem contented enough, Minerva. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> Oops, sorry, Minerva. <laughs> I didn't mean to upset you, Minerva. Oh, gosh, I'm sleepy. Now, who can that be? Expecting anyone, Minerva? That's funny. There's nobody here. I'm here. Where? Oh, leaning on my knee. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, I'm a salesman, but I don't believe in giving any sales talk or sob stories. All I do is tell you what I'm selling, and if you want to buy, okay, if not, okay. Okay? What are you selling? Well... It's Christmas Eve, and I'm just a small urchin, a little on the underprivileged side, and I'm trying to make a few dollars to get some wood to heat our tiny apartment so that while she's singing to my three sick sisters, my mother's lips don't turn blue. <laughs> That's what I like, no sob story. <laughs> You're selling handkerchiefs, I'll take six. Oh, no, ma'am, I'm selling Christmas trees. 
It's only a dollar a piece. But I've already got a Christmas tree. Then I'll make it 50 cents. But I don't need... How about a, a quarter? Look, little boy. Well, payments can be arranged. <laughs> oh, please take one, ma'am. These aren't ordinary trees, you know. They're magic. Magic? Yes, ma'am. You'd be surprised what miracles will happen to you if you buy one. Well, a quarter isn't too much to pay for a miracle. It's 50 cents. <laughs> I thought you said 25. That's when you sounded tougher to sell. <laughs> oh, well, before I melt down, down to my coal buttons and the stovepipe hat, here's 50 cents. Well, you won't be sorry, ma'am. Here's the little tree. Say, it is kind of cute at that. Would you like to come in and help me set it up? I can't. I've got to get right home. My sitter's been alone long enough. Sitter? <laughs> well, what about your mother and the firewood? Well, that's just a routine. My folks are attending a dinner the other bank presidents are given for father. <laughs> With a pitch you've got, you'll have your own bank by the time you're 12. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Good night, lady, and Merry Christmas. Same to you, you little underprivileged millionaire. <laughs> I'll put this tree over here. Maybe we can find some extra trimmings for it in the morning. Yeah. Minerva, will you stop gnawing on those pine needles? I wish I knew what made them so appetizing to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine. Now you come over here and let those things alone. There we are. Well, I guess I'm not the only one that's spending Christmas Eve alone without family or friends. But who can tell? Maybe Santa Claus has something up his big red sleeve that I don't even know about yet. Of course, I do have a squeaky rocker and Minerva. Jingle bells, jingle bells, and merry stuff like that. Oh, what fun it is to rock with a big, fat, drunken cat. <laughs> As I sat in the living room Christmas Eve with Minerva the cat on my lap, I couldn't help noticing that the tree which I'd bought from that wealthy urchin had a rather peculiar luminosity. Although there wasn't any artificial illumination, it seemed to glow from deep down in its branches. As I rocked back and forth, I started to get very drowsy. Hmm. Little boy said this tree was magic, Minerva. No. Yeah. I don't believe it either. Still, it is Christmas Eve, and some very strange things have happened on Christmas Eve. What, what, what's that? Oh, I, I must have been dozing. Coming! Well, it's Walter Denton. Come in, Walter. Noel, Noel. Joy, you is Noel. <laughs> Gracias. Come on into the living room, Walter. Ah, thanks, Miss Brooks. Here, I brought you this little gift to put under your tree. Oh, that was very thoughtful, Walter. Put it under this tree over here. Okay. Say, you've got two trees, haven't you? Yes, one for Minerva and one for me. What? Don't pay any attention to her. She's pine needle happy. Uh, well, Miss Brooks, 
As you know, I was supposed to spend the evening nestled snugly in the tight little confines of my own small immediate family circle. Oh, for heaven's sakes, come out of there. You're giving me claustrophobia. <laughs> but I went to my father and mother and crowed their permission to come over... Wait a and... minute, Walter. You crowed their permission to... Yeah. Crave, craven, crove, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Walter, of course not. Crave, craved. Let's see. Crave, craven... After you crowed their permission, what happened? <laughs> well, they waved my presence for a long enough while for me to deliver to you, Miss Brooks, the little token of my esteem and affection, which is now ensconcing under the tree. Walter, are you still in my English class? <laughs> well, sure, Miss Brooks. Well, I'd better bone up a little. One of us is going to flunk this term. <laughs> Well, it isn't just the gift, Miss Brooks. That's not the only thing that brought me wayfaring from the warmth and conviviality of my own heart. Oh, please don't start that again. I'm glad you dropped over, Walter. And if you want to spend the rest of the evening with your folks, oh, why you Oh, there's no go... rush with them. They've got my present under our tree already. Now, what I'd like to say, Miss Brooks, though, is something I've wanted to say for a long while. Yes, Walter? Now, it's a a little on the sentimental side, perhaps, for a so-called hep high school boy to be telling a teacher, but it's sincere, Miss Brooks. I'm sure it is. It's something I feel deep down inside of me, Miss Brooks, from whence so many of one's warmer emotions stem. That's whence they stem from, all right. <laughs> of course, even if it does seem over-sentimental or even downright sticky... Christmas Eve seems to be the time that you can say things like this and not sound over-sentimental or sticky. Christmas Eve is the time to say them. I just hope I hear them by New Year's Eve. <laughs> what I want you to know, Miss Brooks, is that I'm grateful. For what, Walter? For my association with you during the past semester at Madison High School. Well, thank you, Walter. I've tried to be a capable teacher. Oh, your teaching was nothing. What? <laughs> oh, I don't mean scholastically. No, as a teacher, you were very adequate. I mean personally. The interest you took in me and my problems. For that, I could never thank you if I lived to be a hundred. Of course, you'd be gone a long time by then. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, too. You don't know what it's meant to me to have your ear whenever I needed it. Oh, it was nothing, really. I have another one. Especially about girls. Gosh, you remember how silly I used to act about girls? Every time one of them looked at me, I giggled like a kid. And then, overnight, I matured. I met the one woman who really mattered. Harriet Conklin. <laughs> certainly made something out of you, Walter. I don't know what, but something. You saw me through the difficult transition period of that amour as well. While Harriet and I were adjusting to one another, it was wonderful to be able to come down to you for advice, Miss Brooks. It isn't every boy who has such an interest taken in him by some intelligent elderly person. Give me back my ear. I can't hear you. Not that you're ancient or anything. Gosh, I've seen girls who don't look as good as you do. Girls? <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> Shut up, Minerva. <laughs> By the way, Miss Brooks, I see you got lots of mistletoe on the walls. Were you expecting Mr. Boynton tonight? Yes, Walter, I was. We were going for a wheelchair ride together. <laughs> he had to visit his folks upstate. His folks? 
Gosh, they must be well along in years. His father's over 50. They may shoot him next spring. <laughs> Look, Walter, while you're here, you might as well pick up the little gift I got for you. Oh, but Miss Brooks, you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Under the tree on your right. It isn't much, just a remembrance. Oh, gee, I almost forgot. I can't open it yet. Why not? Oh, you mean you want to put it under your tree at home and open it with your family. Oh, not exactly, but... Well, I'll get it later, Miss Brooks. Oh, there they are now. I'll answer it. There who are now? Come on in, folks. She was all alone when I got here. But it's really a surprise, isn't it? We should have stayed home Christmas Eve. Besides, it's freezing out. Now, Osgood, don't be so grouchy. Hello, Miss Brooks. Merry Christmas. Why, it's Mr. and Mrs. Conklin. And Harriet, how are you all? I'm cold. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Come here, Minerva. Rub up against Mr. Conklin. What's that? What are you... Go away, cat. Why, she seems to like you, Osgood. Or is she hungry, Miss Brooks? She's not that hungry. <laughs> I don't like cats. Why doesn't she go chase a mouse or something? Well, you forget, Mr. Conklin, this is Christmas Eve. There isn't one stirring. Say, <laughs> Harriet. Yes, Walter? There's a lot of mistletoe around this room. I know. It's real pretty. Osgood, notice all the mistletoe in this room? What? Oh, oh, that green stuff. Yeah. More often than not, it makes me sneeze. Oh, come on, Osgood. Let's see if it does. Oh, now, Martha, don't embarrass me so. It doesn't make I... you sneeze, does it, Harriet? I'm willing to find out. Here's a nice wreath of it on this wall. Yeah. Well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> May I, Mr. and Mrs. Conklin? If it's all right with Harriet, it's all right with us. Oh, come on, Walter. We're getting old. <laughs> Gosh, you're sweet, Harriet. Oh, isn't that cute, Osgood? Come here, dear. How about one for your faithful old wife? Well, it is customary, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm under the stuff. <laughs> now, pucker up, dear. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you see, I, 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 I told you. <laughs> now, let's stop this romantic drivel and act like adult human beings. Miss Brooks, I'd like to take advantage of this visit to inquire as to your plans for the coming year's classwork. Do you have your schedule all laid out? Well, frankly, Mr. Conklin, I haven't had much chance to work on anything. Haven't had much of a chance. But you've been away from school all week. Your vacation started last Monday. I know, Mr. Conklin, and that's what I took the week as. I mean, a vacation is something you go on when you get the opportunity to. You don't work on it or during it. Unless, even though I didn't actually go anywhere, when my vacation came along, I went on it or was on one. Usually. <laughs> and you wanted to be the head of the English department. Please, Osgood, this is no time to talk of school affairs. We're here to spend part of our holiday with Miss Brooks. It was very nice of you to think about me, Mrs. Conklin. It was nice of all of you. Where are Walter and Harriet? Denton, get my daughter away from that mistletoe at once. <laughs> 
But, Mr. Conklin, Harriet isn't allergic to mistletoe. No, but I'm allergic to you. <laughs> Harriet's almost irresistible sometimes, especially alongside of older women like Mrs. Conklin and Miss Brooks. <laughs> Saved by the bell. I'll get it. Why, Mr. Boynton, come in. Oh, thanks, Miss Brooks. I thought you were going upstate to see your folks. Well, I was, but they sent me a wire that they wanted to come down here for a week or so. They'll arrive in the morning, so I thought I'd drop this little gift off for you tonight. Oh, but you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Let's just put it under the tree in the living room. Look who's here, everybody. Well, it's Mr. Boynton. Hi there, Mr. B. This is nice. Hello, Boynton. <laughs> Hello, folks. This is beginning to get more like Christmas Eve every minute. Sit down, Mr. Boynton. I'm certainly glad your folks decided to visit you instead of vice versa. Oh, so am I. There's a particularly good reason why I'm glad. There is? Well, yes. It gives me a chance to see how my guinea pigs are affected by this cold snap. <laughs> so far, they haven't reacted at all. What do you expect them to do, blow on their paws? <laughs> Miss Brooks, have you pointed out the mistletoe to Mr. Boynton? Oh, why don't you stop that nonsense, Martha? <laughs> it isn't nonsense. Mr. Boynton, look at the mistletoe. Mistletoe? Oh, oh, yes, a very interesting example of the flora found in various areas throughout the globe. <laughs> An evergreen parasitic shrub, it is indigenous to the regions where apple trees and oaks abound. Now that the lecture is over, may we ask questions? Well, certainly, Miss Brooks. Want to stand under it? <laughs> stand under it? Well... You see, because of certain characteristics in its makeup, an allergy is sometimes aggravated by its presence. I'll take a chance if you will. Come on, Mr. Boynton. Yeah, come on, Mr. Boynton. Uh, just bring him over to this wall here. <laughs> uh, I'll get under it if you like. Well, don't just stand there. Can't you see Miss Brooks is cooking? Well, don't fuss for me. I couldn't eat a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Boynton... Don't you know what standing under the mistletoe signifies? Oh, I know what it signifies to most people, but to me it's just... <laughs> well, there goes 85 cents worth of mistletoe. Hey, I know what let's do. Let's open up the presents right now. Swell. A splendid suggestion, Walter. Uh, uh, shouldn't we wait until just before we leave? Might be less embarrassing that way. Well, if you want to open them now, I... Golly, this one tree is pretty crowded. I'll put some of these packages under this little one over here. Look out, Walter. You're bumping into one of the branches. Look out. Gosh, I got the funniest feeling when I touched that branch. What kind of a feeling, Walter? Holy, well, you're Harriet Conklin, aren't you? Well, sure, I'm Harriet Conklin. Walter, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing's the matter with me. It's just that I want to tell you something. Harriet, you've got to change. You ought to try to be more like Miss Brooks. What do you mean, Walter? If you want me to stay interested in you, you've got to be more alluring, youthful, glamorous, feminine in that real feline Brooks way. Walter, have you been drinking pine needles, too? <laughs> Look at that tree. It, it seems to be glowing. What do you mean, glowing? Just a reflection from the streetlights. This party is giving me the memes. <laughs> Holidays, indeed. Here, I'll just move the tree where it won't glisten in our eyes. There we go. Oh, ho, ho, ho! Merry 
Sometimes I've wanted to. <laughs> Miss Brooks, is that really you standing there? I think so, Mr. Conklin. Why do you ask? Because you suddenly look so different, so intelligent. <laughs> Miss Brooks, I've made up my mind. You are now head of the Madison High English Department. Well, thank you, fun-loving Osgood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this wonderful tree where it belongs. Right in the center of the room. Give me a hand, Boynton. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Conklin. I'll just take this hand here and... Miss Brooks. Yes, Mr. Boynton? Come here, baby. said, come here, Connie. You did not. You said, come here, baby, and I'm here. <laughs> Look, he's taking her over to the mistletoe. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Well, 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 what are you going to do, Mr. Boynton? Uh, just call me Phil, Connie. And this is what I'm going to do. How does that make you feel? Oh, I feel like I'm in a dream, Philip. A wonderful, beautiful dream. Well, what's that? Mr. Boynton, where did you go? Where is everybody? Oh, I must have been dreaming. Well, that's real enough. I'll be right there. Oh, sorry, Minerva. I didn't mean to drop you. Surprise! Surprise! I'm cold. <laughs> Why, it's the Conklins and Walter and Mr. Boynton. But you all just left. Uh, I mean, come in. We thought it would be nice if we spent our Christmas Eve together, Miss Brooks. Yes, and we brought a few little gifts over for you. I'll just put them under this tree here. Yes, do that, Walter. Aren't you going to ask me why I didn't go upstate, Miss Brooks? I know why, Mr. Boynton. Your folks are coming down to see you. Well, how did you know about that? I just got the telegram. Uh, don't let's get too carried away with the holidays to prepare for the hard school season ahead, Miss Brooks. Oh, let's yeah. not talk about school affairs now, Osgood. Walter, look at the mistletoe. Yeah. Look at it. Now, just a minute. Before we go through all that again, <laughs> would you please touch that tree, Mr. Boynton? The one on the left with the... Why, it's gone. There's only one tree. Miss Brooks, are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Could I have dreamt that part, too? Uh, Mr. Boynton, would you do me a favor, please? Of course, Miss Brooks. What is it? Would you touch the Christmas tree? Touch it? But... Please, it's important. Oh, all right. There. Nothing happened. Well, what did you expect would happen? A miracle. Oh, excuse me. I'll be right back. Oh, I'm a little urchin, and I'm sewing magic Christmas trees. But you just... Please buy one, lady. They only cost 50 cents apiece. 50 cents? That's right. Here's two dollars. Give me four of them. <laughs>
All over the studio here, there are happy signs of Christmas. Bits of red and green, holly, and some imaginative person even hung some mistletoe in the control room. Must remember to drop in there after the show. <laughs> but the Christmas spirit is even more evident in the faces of our cast. Together with our sponsor, the Colgate Palm Olive Peat Company, makers of Colgate Dental Cream, Luster Cream Shampoo, and Palm Olive Shaving Creams, we join in wishing you a Merry Christmas. Yes, Jeff Chandler and Gail Gordon, Jane Morgan, Virginia Gordon, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Jeffrey Silver, our writer-director Al Lewis, and our producer Larry Burns, our conductor Wilbur Hatch, and all the others on the R. Miss Brooks show. And we're gathered here to say, may this be the most joyous of the holidays for all of you. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with I Feel a Song coming on. It's in the air around you. It's written in people's faces. It's anywhere and everywhere, the wonderful excitement that comes with Christmas week. Now, when spirits are high and appetites are keen, Jell-O is the perfect dessert for you to serve. For Jell-O's festive, shining colors, its delicious, fresh fruit flavor are right in keeping with the gaiety of the season. So let Jell-O help you celebrate your holidays. Serve it in any one of its six delicious flavors. Flavors unusually rich because they come from fresh, ripe fruit. But just remember that there is only one Jell-O, and only Jell-O brings you that extra-rich fruit flavor. So make no mistake, insist on the real thing. Insist on genuine Jell-O. you a man who stands for good wholesome entertainment, who stands for bright sparkling humor. In fact, a man who stands for almost anything, Jack Benny. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hello again. This is standing Jack Benny talking. <laughs> Listen, Don, I may be easy going and all that, but there's a limit to just how much I will stand. I think you found that out the past few weeks. But uh, I've never really seen you blow up, Jack. Well, that's because I managed to keep myself under control. But if I ever lose my temper, well, I just hope I'm not around when it happens. 
Oh, Jack, you haven't such a temper. Why, I've heard you argue with Phil Harris, and you've been as gentle as a lamb. Yes, Don, but you'll never know the battle that goes on inside of me. How I have to fight to hold myself back. Well, that's generally a nice, safe quarrel. Yes. <laughs> Jack, I, I don't want to interfere, but I do think that since Christmas is so near that you and Phil ought to make up. No, Don. The wound is too deep. You see, you only know me on the surface, but there are really two Jack Bennies. There's the patient, amiable, fun-loving fellow you see around the studio. And then there's that other me, stark, savage, primitive, a throwback to the Stone Age. I tell you, Don, one minute I'm as meek as a mouse, and then all of a sudden I'm Vesuvius erupting. My, my... Well, anyway, I'm through coddling people around here, and that goes for Phil Harris or anybody else. You know, you can go just so far, and then the worm turns. You're right, Jack. I'll say I am. Hello, worm. <laughs> well, I haven't turned yet. You better watch your step, too, Murray. What I just said about Phil goes for everybody on this program. I'm not worried about you. I've got my own troubles. You know, I just had an awful fight with myself. You did? You may not know it, Jack, but there are two Mary Livingstons. Oh, there are. Yes. There's the quiet, home-loving me who spends the time in the kitchen. I see. And then there's the other me, wild, reckless, with a yen for caviar and cheap jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so you've got a dual personality, too. Have I? I'm a regular Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Well... <laughs> Uh, say, Don, did Phil get here yet? Oh, yes, Jack. He's right on time tonight. He must have read my thoughts last week. Believe me, it's good to put your foot down once in a while. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. <laughs> hello, Kenny. Say, what kind of a hello was that? That was my other self talking. <laughs> hey, Don, look who's got another self. <laughs> oh, yeah? I've got two me's, too. Oh, you have, huh? Sure. There's one me that you all know around the studio, good-natured, dumb, and unconscious. Oh. And then there's the real me, smart, bright, and witty. <laughs> Why don't you bring him around sometime? <laughs> oh, Mary, leave him alone. Mm, that guy don't know enough to come in out of the rain. He does, too. Come in where? Forget it, Kenny It doesn't rain in California anyway It doesn't? No Then what keeps falling out of the sky? Orange juice? <laughs> well, maybe the weather has a dual personality, too You know, there are two sides to everything and everyone Don't you think so, Don? Positively And now that you've brought it up You know, Jack You may not believe this But there are really two Don Wilsons Oh, I can see that, Don <laughs> But a little dieting will take care of that, you know. Oh, you're laughing at my expanse. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm serious. But all kidding aside, I, I too have another self. Oh. There's the quiet, retiring me who just says, Jell-O is the fastest-selling gelatin dessert in the world, and every day millions of people eat it. I see. And then there's that other me that says the Jell-O has six delicious oh. flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, oh. lemon, and lime. Why, Don, you frighten me. Oh, Quit Playboy. Don, go back to your other
That was uh, You Can Tell She Comes From Dixie, conducted by Phil Harris, who also has a dual personality. By that I mean he's a two-timer. <laughs> you know, during every number, he waves one hand at the orchestra and the other at the girls in the audience. And it's got to stop. All right, I'll quit waving at the orchestra. Well, at least that'll help the music. Are <laughs> oh, you even poisoned the boys in the band against me? I have not. You haven't? Then why don't they laugh at my joke? Why don't you say something funny? Hmm. I don't want to establish a precedent around here, that's why. <laughs> That's awfully good. Laugh at him, boys. <laughs> well, at least they were together. That's more than I can say about their music. <laughs> Zowie! Ha <laughs> ha! What happened? Uh, Jack thought he said something funny. Hmm. It's a fine bunch I'm associated with. Uh, what's the matter with you, Jack? Every year you pick a fight with us. <laughs> well, what about it? Last year it was just before Christmas, too. <laughs> Well, I like to do my Christmas scrapping early. Jack, why don't you consider my suggestion and make up with Phil? How about it, Phil? Well, I'm willing if that horseless cowboy is. <laughs> yeah? Well, I'm not a horseless cowboy. No, you're a brainless master of ceremonies. Oh, yeah? That means fight in my country. I wish we were there. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, a little geography saves Jack a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be a lot of trouble right now if it wasn't that Kenny has to sing his songs. I can wait, Jack. You'll sing when you're supposed to, not when you're ready. Oh, this thing's getting worse and worse. Come on, Jack. Now make up with Phil. What do you say? No, Don. I realize this is the time of year when we must forgive and forget. But even this holiday spirit cannot erase the scar that has been etched into my heart. Oh, Jack, you're making a scar out of a molehill. No, I'm not. Did you ever hear that famous poem... By Ludwig Schmutz. James Arthur. That poem called Barrett with a Grin. No. Well, it goes something like this. When your soul is torn asunder by some fellow's thoughtless blunder and your trouble deep down under, Barrett with a Grin. When he makes your life so dreary and your eyes with tears are bleary and you're oh so gosh darn weary, ha <laughs> ha, bear it with a grin. Manny. <laughs> so if your false friend should forsake you and a fool he tries to make you, point at him and say you snake you and... I say it with a groan. <laughs> Thank you. I guess you know how I feel about it now, Don. Sing, Kenny. And my poems are supposed to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I so jealous of the moon? Jealous of a summer night in June Why can they remain beside my darling While I must leave so soon Summer night 
with a thousand eyes. Why have I only two to behold a thousand sung by Kenny Baker, and tonight it seemed to have an extra touch of tenderness. But there's one thing that puzzles me, Kenny. How can you say so many dumb things and yet sing so sweetly? Well, I don't have to think when I sing. Oh. <laughs> I bet he's got a record in his mouth. <laughs> I doubt it. Oh, Jack. Yes, Don. I uh, don't want to interrupt the program, but I may not get to see you again until after Christmas. That's right. Well, uh, come to the point, Jack. Uh, Mary, Kenny, and I got together and bought you a little Christmas present, which I hope you'll like. Well, thanks, Don and Mary. You too, Kenny. Oh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Uh, here you are, Jack. Here, I imagine it's something awfully nice. <laughs> well, well. Gee, this is a surprise. A gold button hook. Uh-huh. Say, that'll come in handy. Of course, I haven't worn button shoes in a long time, but if they ever come back, boy, I'll be all set. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it, Jack. Mmm, it's a beautiful button hook. And gold, too. Yeah, and there's a toothpick on one end. <laughs> oh, there sure is. <laughs> well. If teeth ever come back, you'll be all set. Well, thanks, kids. I, I sure appreciate this. See, you must have gone back 20 years to get it. Oh, it wasn't any trouble, Jack. No, I imagine it wasn't. Now, uh, uh, gather... Gather around, everybody. It's my turn to play Santa Claus. I got a little surprise for most all of you. Here's a little gift for you, Kenny. A beautiful red silk necktie. Oh, thanks, Jack. <laughs> Isn't it pretty? Gee... You know, this looks like the same tie I gave you last year. Well, it isn't. It's different. Yeah, it's got spots on it now. <laughs> Quiet. He can have it cleaned. And, Don, here's a present for you. It's something I know you love. What is it? A box of genuine jello. Oh, goody! <laughs> yeah, I knew you know, my, it. You know, my wife's going to give me a sliced pineapple for Christmas, and they'll go swell together. Oh, they sure will. Um... Oh, Jack. What? Where's the present I'm going to exchange? <laughs> Here, and don't be funny. Hmm. 
change. What is it? What is it? Can't you see? It's an earring. An earring? Yeah. One earring? Where's the other one? Well, there'll be other Christmases, won't there? <laughs> this is a fine present. Now I'll be lopsided. Yeah. Put it on, Mary. That's a style now, anyway. One earring. Uh, Jack, uh, didn't you forget somebody? Not anybody that didn't forget me. <laughs> but to show you the difference in characters, come here, Mary. Here's a present for him. <laughs> you give it to him. Okay. Here, Phil. Jack told me to give you this Christmas present. What is it? It's a curling iron. <laughs> a curling iron? Yes. Thanks, only my hair is naturally curly. Well, if it ever straightens out, you'll be all set. <laughs> and incidentally, it's time for your next number, so stop grinning at the girls in the audience and play. All right, Simon. Yeah, now, wait a minute. I may be exacting, but I'm no Simon Legree. I meant simple Simon. Oh. <laughs> now I'm stumped. Well, go ahead and play a number, smarty pants. <laughs> Say, Mary, how do you like that earring I gave you? Fine. My ear's turning green already. Hmm. Some Christmas spirit around here. Hmm. Some present, too. Yeah. <laughs> the brass section played by Curly Harris, the kink of jazz. <laughs> and incidentally, folks, not that I care, but evidently Mr. Harris has never heard that it's better to give than to receive. Imagine a guy not reciprocating after you've given him a swell curling iron. Hmm. Well, it isn't even electric. Hmm, I suppose you like Benjamin Franklin to autograph it. <laughs> what a guy. And now, folks, this being our last program before... <laughs> Oh, well, come in. Hello, Chick Barney. Well, hello, Patsy. Hey, it's good to see you again. How'd you happen to drop in? Well, it's the holiday season, and I'm bringing you time greetings. Well, thanks. What are you doing these days, Patsy? Can you read Hangul? <laughs> no. Of course I can read English. Then here's my card. Hmm, Pat C. Flick. Suit, clothes, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> so you're in the clothing business now, huh? Eh? Yes, sir. And Jake, to start a bow rolling, I brought you a Christmas present. 
Well, that's very nice of you, Pappy, but you didn't have to do it. Don't mention it, cutie. <laughs> I'm sentimental. Oh. Oh, look at this, a brand new suit. Is it really a present for me? It's not for Marlene Dietrich. <laughs> well, it sure is a nice gesture. Hey, wait a minute. There's only the pants and vest here. Where's the coat? That'll cost you $75. <laughs> I see. Well, I don't need a new suit. You don't need a suit. Look at that coat you're wearing. What's wrong with it? Potatoes I wouldn't put in that bag. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't, eh? And look at the cheap material. You call this a pocket? See? Hey, wait a minute. Hold on there. What are you doing to Jack? Don't interrupt the sale. <laughs> Say, you've got a lot of nerve. And look at this, please. Now, is that a coat I asked you? Not now it isn't. No. <laughs> and look at those pins. Shall I leave the room, Jack? <laughs> no, this has gone far enough. Here, take back your pants and vest and get out of here. Well, that's chiseled. You give a guy a present and you don't even reciprocate. Now, <laughs> well, goodbye and Happy New Year. Who needs it? Hey! <laughs> Look at my coat all ripped and torn. I got a date with a doll right after the program. <laughs> now, what are you laughing at? If it's a rag doll, you're all set. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, as I said before, this being our last program before Christmas, tonight we are going... What's that? Oh, Grandpa! Well, look who's Hello, Buck! Well, Sheriff Andy Devine. Glad to see you, Andy. Oh, uh, glad to see you, too, Buck. <laughs> what brings you here tonight? <laughs> well, ain't you and me going out looking for Cactus Face Elmer, the outlaw? Doggone it, Andy. We got to arguing and talking up here tonight and giving out presents. I'm afraid we won't be able to do Buck Benny Rides again until next Sunday. Oh, shucks. Yeah. And I'm all dressed up in my cowboy suit. Well, don't take it so hard. Come over next Sunday and you can play with us. Sorry you had to make this long trip, Andy. Well, I didn't mind coming over. I'm kind of stuck on Mary, you know. <laughs> Stop blushing, Andy. I ain't blushing, I'm boiling. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm sorry about Buck Benny. I really am. Well, um, I'm sure disappointed, too. I know how you feel. Well, doggone it, but you know, Buck, that reminds me of a poem by Ludwig Schmutz. <laughs> good, old, good old Schmutzy. Yeah, good old Schmutzy. <laughs> by Ludwig, huh? Yes, sir, and it goes something like this. When you're just a buckaroo and Buck Benny you cannot do, don't feel bad and don't feel blue. <laughs> just bear it with a grin. <laughs> Ah, those are real sentiments, Andy. Ludwig sure went to town on that one, huh? Well, so long, Buck. See you next week. So long, Andy. So long. <laughs> ah, he... he sure has a lot of fun, doesn't he, huh? Well, I gotta run along now, fellas. The program is nearly over anyway. I don't think you need me here any longer tonight. And besides, I've got a date, so I'm gonna go. Uh, goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, Jack, and a Merry Christmas. Same to you. So long, Don. Goodbye, Kenny. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Jack. Same to you. Well, so long. Hey, Jack. Yeah? 
Merry Christmas to you. Same to you, Phil. <laughs> Goodbye. Wait a minute, Jack. I want to talk to you. Well, hurry up. I've got a date. Listen, Jack, I think we've both been acting like a couple of kids. But I want to tell you one thing, and it comes right from my heart. I've been with you 12 weeks now, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Hmm. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> of course, sometimes you've tried to act hard-boiled, but deep down underneath, you're a regular guy. No, I am, am I? Well, I'm going. Wait a minute, Jack. Just to show you how I feel about you, here's a little Christmas present. Thanks. Well, why don't you open it? Oh, you open it. It's probably some trick. <laughs> Gee, I hope you like it, Jack. Oh, I already said thanks. <gasps> Gee, look, fellas. Gosh, gee whiz. Oh, Jack, look. Hmm. Why, it's the most beautiful watch I've ever seen. I've got a watch. <laughs> and look at that platinum case and diamonds all around it. I thought so. If I wear that, somebody will hold me up and hit me over the head. Oh, gee, it's beautiful, Phil. Oh, it certainly is. is. Oh, Jack, that's really something. Hmm. See, it, it is pretty, isn't it? Gee, platinum and diamonds all around it. Gee, thanks, Phil. You're welcome, Jack. Oh, boy, that... That is gorgeous, huh? Well, Phil, I... Yeah, I hardly know what to say now. I feel so... Oh, I don't know. I... Oh, forget about it, Jack. Yeah, I... I wish I'd have bought you an electric iron now. I think... <laughs> Boy, I... Say, I'll bet this must have set you back plenty, huh, Phil? Well, just don't fire me for about two years. <laughs> well, Phil, all I can say is I'm terribly sorry for everything that happened and see if I can ever do anything for you. And if you, if you ever want to know what time it is, don't hesitate to ask me. You know? I don't value anything, Jack, as much as I do your friendship. Gee, I, I didn't know you felt that way. See, but, but all I can say is, well, thanks, Phil. Oh, you're welcome, Jack. Merry Christmas. <laughs> come on, fellas, come on, pull yourselves together. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could all be here to witness this touching display of friendship. In fact, I I personally am so moved that I can hardly say that uh, Jello is the most tempting skeleton to search the world. So just be sure to get the genuine Jello with a big red letters on the Santa Claus, you bet your life there is, and you'll be more certain of it than ever once you taste Jell-O chocolate pudding. It's the best that comes your way since the old days when your grandmother made chocolate pudding. Smoother, creamier, more chocolatey, with a grand homemade flavor. That's Jell-O chocolate pudding. And it's amazingly easy and inexpensive to make. Here's all you do. 
Mix the contents of one package with some milk in the top of your cup of cool, and this delicious pudding is all ready to be served in your sherbet glasses. And if you want to give it an extra special Christmas touch, add some raisins or toasted nuts or both. You'll get six luscious servings from each package of Jell-O chocolate pudding, which sells for the same low price as Jell-O. Ask your grocer about it tomorrow. If he hasn't put it in stock yet, be sure he orders it for you. Remember the name, Jell-O chocolate pudding. number of the 12th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time when you will hear our next installment of Buck Benny Rides Again. Well, fellas, I was going out on a party tonight, but I'd much rather be with a gang. Come on, let's all go out and make whoopee. Okay, How about you, Phil? Thanks, Jack, but I've already got a date tonight. Oh, bring her along, and if she's got a girlfriend, bring her along for me. She has, Jack, but her girlfriend isn't very pretty. Oh, I don't care. Filthy, as long as I'm with you. And Phil don't care as long as he's with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks, and Merry Christmas. Loving Your Eyes from the big broadcast of 1937. Summer Night is from Sing Me a Love Song. The Jell-O program comes to you over the Red Network from the Hollywood studios of the National Broadcasting Company. KFI Los Angeles, Earl C. Anthony, Incorporated. Fifteen seconds before nine. Christmas time is really wonderful, isn't it, Dad? Yeah, Gary, everybody feels the same way. I know I do. I love that Christmas feeling. It does my heart so much good. Strangers I meet all seem like friends. And the world's just a neighborhood So here's to the joy of Christmas Here's to the ones I hold dear May you have that merry Christmas feeling all through a happy new year. Ooh. Lindsay, the smallest of the small fry steps forward now. What's your song, Lynn? I'd like to hit a ride with Santa Claus. I may join you. Thank you. Not at all. I'd like to hitch a ride with Santa Claus. Oh, wouldn't that be something to see? 
I'd like to hit you right with Santa Claus, dodging the clouds, waving at crowds. This boy just got his wings. I'd crack the whip and keep a watch for weather vane. For weather vane. I'd help him with his bag and check his Christmas tag. Or maybe you could handle the reins, big stuff, huh? I'd like to hit you right with Santa Claus. Wouldn't they be jealous of me? You couldn't say I ran away because after we rode, he'll drive you home. He'll drive you home. And when they see me Christmas morning, what'll they say with a look of delight? There goes the boy that rode for Santa Claus last night. There he goes, hitching a ride with Santa. The Kraft Foods Company presents The Great Gildersleeve. Uh. <laughs> it's The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, brought to you by The Kraft Foods Company, makers of a complete line of famous quality food products. Yes, it won't be long now. The counters are stacked. The department stores have issued their final ultimatums. A tradesman in a Santa suit lurks behind every Christmas tree, his pistol cocked, ready with his Christmas message. Stand and deliver your money or your life. Grown-ups begin to wear that hunted look as they feel the holidays closing in upon them. But the children, hey, hey! Cheeks are flushed, hopes are high, talk is merry and a little wild. You know, we have the craziest uncle. I mean, really, he's a scream. But so nice, isn't he, Leroy? Yeah, he's okay sometimes. It's so funny. Every year about this time, he gets us together. And he looks very solemn. And he says to us, Children, I'd like you to sit down for a minute. I just want to warn you, we're going to have a very small Christmas this year. Santa Claus is very poor. He. So I don't want you to expect too much. And Christmas morning? Oh, boy, everything. <laughs> Marjorie, I'd like you to sit down for a minute. Yes, Unky? Where's your brother? Uh, have you seen him? Bertie, have you seen Leroy? He's out and back. He's out and back. Ask him to come in for a minute, will you? Ask him to come in for a minute, will you? Leroy, your uncle wants you. I don't know. He's got something to see. He's coming. He's coming. Yes, yes. Oh, does he have to slam it? Yes, I suppose he does. Leroy, I'd like to have a little talk with you and your... Where did you get that cat? I don't know. I found him out back. He's been hanging around all morning. Isn't he a beauty? He's a monster. Get rid of him. Oh, Unc, I was just going to ask you if we couldn't keep him. I expected that. The answer is no. But, Unc, he likes me. He's fond of me, Unc, see? Leroy, if we tried to accommodate all the animals you claim are fond of you, we'd be living in a Noah's Ark. Oh, 
but she was... Now, you had a dog two Christmases ago, and you didn't take care of him. That's why he ran away. I told you then, no more animals. But, Uncle, I'm older now. You're no more dependable. Not one whit. What's a whit, Uncle? Don't try to change the subject. Get rid of the cat. Oh, Uncle, I'd take care of him. He wouldn't be any trouble. It isn't a he, it's a she. Want a best? He, she, or it. <laughs> now, get rid of it. I want that cat out of here before he becomes an issue. Every time I let you play with some animal for five minutes, we have to have a whole great big thing about it. Now, put him outside. Okay. Poor old fellow. Everybody treats him mean. Well, I'm your friend. Cat's too big anyway. If there's anything I can't stand, it's an overgrown cat. I don't mind kittens. They wouldn't grow up into cats. You liked Aesop? Aesop was a very unusual cat. This cat is ordinary. Tell it just by looking at him. You wouldn't say that if you knew him. Let's not have any more talk about cats, shall we, children? Uh, <clears throat> what I wanted to speak to you about is Christmas. Here it comes. Now, Christmas will be here shortly, and I think I ought to warn I you. I know what I want. That's not the Christmas spirit, my boy. The spirit of Christmas is in giving, not getting. Oh, I'm going to give you a present. Don't worry. March, too. I'm going to give the both super presents. If you ever pay me the allowance you owe me. <laughs> Do I owe you money? Do you owe me? A dollar and a quarter. Well, remind me about it. I'm reminding you. Remind me some other time. You can't give till you get, you know. I haven't got it on me right now. Some other time, Leroy. Okay. But don't blame me if you're disappointed on Christmas. That's just the point I'm trying to get to, my boy. The best way to avoid being disappointed on Christmas is not to expect too much. This year, I'm only going to ask for one thing. That's all I'm going to ask for is one thing. Just one thing, that's all. One thing. Yes. Well, that's good, because this year Santa is really going to have a tough time... Just to... one thing, that's all. Just one thing. He's really going to have a tough time. You see, with prices as high as they are... That's all I want is one thing. You might as well ask him what it is, Uncle Mort. Do you want to know? No. But what is it? <laughs> a motor scooter. A mo... You mean one of those... Yeah. One of those little red things you ride around on, like a motorcycle, only better. They're a lot safer, Uncle, and kids can ride them. They hardly burn any gas at all. Leroy, those things cost $150. They do? At the very least, maybe 200 Gosh, that's the only thing I really want. I've been wanting one of those ever since I can remember. I guess I want a motor scooter more than anything else in the world. Now be reasonable, Leroy. Don't get your heart set on something that's impossible. Craig is going to get one. Who said so? Craig. Craig is a great big... Craig is a little boy, Leroy. You can't believe everything, he says. Just the same, he's going to get one. He said so. It would be just like that four-flusher buller to give his kid an expensive toy like that. It wouldn't be so expensive, Unc. Craig and I got it all figured out. When we get our scooters, we can do all kinds of things. We can deliver papers, we can run errands for people and charge them for it. Why, the scooters will pay for themselves in a couple of weeks. No kidding. Yeah. Think it over, hey, Unc? Leroy, I want you to forget this whole idea. Do you understand? Just forget about it completely. Okay, I'll forget about it. I mean it. I've already forgotten about it, Uncle. It'll be just as... I'll be just... Listen, you don't seem to get the idea. See, how can I... I'll have you children know that I'm not made of money. Do you understand? Sure, sure. Marjorie? I don't care what I get, Uncle. Anything you decide, I'll be grateful for. That's the spirit, my dear. Leroy, why can't you be more... Me too, Uncle. Anything at all will be okay with me. Anything at all. Yeah. Well, it won't be a motor scooter, you can bank on that. Just get that out of your head right at the start. A motor scooter is out of the question. Understand? Yeah, sure. Okay. They're not only expensive, they're dangerous. 
And besides, they're expensive. Everything's expensive. Now, we're contributing to the orphanage out there, little Christina. That'll have to be our main Christmas. We've got to cut down. Motor scooters are out. You understand? Yeah, sure. They're too expensive. Who wants a motor scooter? I mean it, confound it. Don't wake up Christmas morning expecting to see one under the tree because there won't be one. Do you get it? Okay. Is it all right if I go out and play now? Confound it. When I say I mean it, I mean it. All right, go ahead. Thanks, Uncle. Thanks a lot. Oh, boy, I got to tell Craig. You know, I don't think he believes me. What are you grinning at, Marjorie? Uncle, you're so transparent. Transparent? What do you mean? You overdo it. Now, two years ago, Leroy wanted a dog. You told him 50 times, if you told him once, that a dog was out of the question. So on Christmas, what did he get? A dog. Well, sure. But and I... last year, it was a set of drums. For weeks, you kept telling him they were too expensive. And all the time, you had them hidden in a closet. No wonder he's on to you. You ought to keep quiet about the scooter. Listen, I mean it. Do you think I've got $150 to throw around? Donkey, you're a darling. Oh, <laughs> dog. But you couldn't fool a fly. Mm, there's a Christmas kiss. <laughs> I'm going straight upstairs now and wrap your presents. She doesn't believe me either. How am I going to kill this thing? Bertie! Yes? Bertie, I positively will not buy Leroy a motor scooter. I want to go on record before at least one member of this family is never ever having the slightest intention of doing so. You're my witness. Oh, shut you. Trust me, Mr. Gilsey. I ain't going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> you know yourself, Peavy, getting such expensive presents as that isn't good for a boy. It could ruin his character. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Why are you suddenly so concerned about Craig Bullard's character? Because, confounded if Craig gets a motor scooter, then I've got to give Leroy one, that's all. I can't have Leroy disappointed on Christmas while Craig goes chugging up and down the street, the little show-off. Hmm. That's my problem, Peavy. It's how to disappoint Leroy without disappointing him. Uh, how do you know Craig is going to get a scooter? I don't. That's what I'd like to have you ask Mr. Bullard, if you will. Well, why don't you ask him? Because I threatened to punch him in the nose last week. Him too? I told him to stay off the property. He told me to stay off his. You seem to be narrowing the circle of your acquaintance these days, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, never mind. Will you do as I ask? Mm, I don't know. It's a small enough favor, for heaven's sake. But it's none of my business. I just can't say to Mr. Bullard, what's this I hear about you giving Craig a high-priced scooter for Christmas? No, no, you don't have to do it that way, Peavy. Just be tactful. Be casual. Uh, sneak up on it. How? It, well, well, for instance, you could look out of your window and say, well, there goes a boy on a motor scooter. By the way, Mr. Bullard, what are you giving Craig for Christmas? <laughs> don't think it'd work. Why not? Well, suppose no boy went by on a scooter. Ye gods, Peavy, you could pretend you saw one, couldn't you? Uh, that would be an untruth. I know, you just don't want to ask him. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, I'll tell you. A man who will run a drugstore will do almost anything, but you have to draw the line somewhere. And when it comes to snooping, even a pharmacy... All right, forget it. I'm sorry I asked. Uh-oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes? In case I shouldn't see you in the meantime, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. 
that's all, Eve. I just wanted to return your Plato. Darn interesting book. Thanks for lending it to me. You're quite sure you finished it? Oh, yes, yes, I'm finished in it. I'll be glad to have you keep it a little longer if you Oh, no, no, thanks. I think I've gotten all I can out of it. Oh, say, there was one other thing. Mm, Do come inside. It's so cold out here. Well, just for a minute. It's about these motor scooters the kids are riding these days. Very dangerous contraptions. Motor scooters? Yes. I've been thinking it might be a good idea, Eve, if you pass the rule against any motor scooters at school. Well, none of the children have motor scooters, Throckmorton. Not that I've seen. I know, but some child might get one. You know, uh, Christmas coming on. Some of these four-flushers that don't know anything about bringing up children might... Well, I couldn't very well pass a rule against something that hasn't even come up. Now, could I? Well, you're the principal, Eve. If you just sent a note home with the kids, no motor scooters. You know, before Christmas, before it's too late. Might be doing somebody a favor. <laughs> Leroy wants a motor scooter. Is that it? How'd you know? <laughs> You're so easy to see through, Throckmorton. Women are always claiming they can see through me. <laughs> Why is that? My own niece. I get the very same thing from her. Marjorie is a smart girl. Am I so dumb? Well, I don't think you always understand children very well. I'd like to know who understands them any better. Listen, I'm on to them every minute. Well, maybe so. But if you want to get Leroy's mind off motor scooters, I don't think the way to do it is to tell him he can't have one. No? How then? Convince him there's something else he wants more. Get him so interested he'll forget about scooters. By George, there's one thing I'll say for you, Eve. You've got sense. Well, thank you for the compliment, as far as it goes. Well, that isn't all you've got, either. (laughs) I'm afraid that was an afterthought. I'll show you whether it was an afterthought or not. (laughs) Another time, Throckmorton. Always putting me off. You've returned the book, and you've told me what you really came for. Now, was there something else? You make it awfully tough for a fella. Well, goodbye, Eve. Goodbye, Throckmorton. Oh, say. Yes? Uh, In case I shouldn't see you in the meantime, I am... Are you looking for something? Too early for mistletoe, I guess. Well, I just have to come back, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, Eve. Goodbye. Well, goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, Oh, let's see. You said about Leroy, uh, get him interested in something else. Uh, Is that it? That's it. Uh, Guess I got that straight. (laughs) Well, uh... Goodbye, Eve. Goodbye. I'd better get out of here. You'll be seen through me again. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, Eve. The making of a really fine mayonnaise, as every expert homemaker knows, calls for a great deal of skill. Only choice ingredients may be used, and they must be blended with the utmost care for perfect, velvet-smooth texture. Now, it isn't easy, but Kraft has mastered the art. Try famous Kraft kitchen-fresh mayonnaise and see for yourself. Yes, although Miracle Whip salad dressing continues to be scarce because of the sugar shortage, Kraft mayonnaise is once again available and in reasonable quantity. 
Fine salad oil is more plentiful, and your food dealer should have a fair supply of Kraft mayonnaise soon, if not already. With its delicate homemade flavor, its creamy, satin-smooth texture, mayonnaise by Kraft is glamour for any salad. Only fine salad oil, selected eggs, fragrant vinegar and spices go into it. And as a final crowning touch, genuine fresh lemon juice is added. Then a special beater patented by Kraft is the secret of its marvelous texture. Yes, it's good news. Kraft Kitchen Fresh Mayonnaise is once again available. Well, let's see now how Gildersleeve is coming in his negotiations with Leroy. Strolling out into the backyard, he finds Leroy hard at work in the garage. Well, my boy, what's going on here? Uh, cleaning up. This isn't like you, Leroy. Well, I'm just trying to clear a space here. Oh? Space for what? Well, look. Well, in case I get anything for Christmas that I need a space for. <laughs> uh, say, Leroy. Yeah? I've been thinking about what we were talking about the other day, about Christmas. You mean about a scooter? Uh, well, no, about Christmas. There's one thing you've never asked for, Leroy, and I'm surprised you haven't. Because, gosh, I should think it would be an awful lot of fun. That's a train. A train? You mean an electric train? Sure, they're more fun than a barrel of monkeys. They have wonderful trains now. Oh, gee, I never thought you... Well, they have bridges and tunnels and automatic switches and, and whistles and everything. Regular little trains. Think what fun you and I could have if we built a railroad together. A miniature railroad. Would you help me? Help you. I'd be up there playing with it every evening. And Saturdays and Sundays as well. Say, that'd be super. We could make a bridge. Sure. We could have wrecks. Well, uh, yeah, sure. We could do anything. I don't know a finer toy for a boy than a train. Bushel of fun at the same time, educational and instructive. Just think, on rainy afternoons, Craig would be sitting over there looking out the window, unable to ride his scooter, and you'd be up in your room with your train, having the time of your life. Oh, boy, would Craig be sore. He'd be wanting to play with my train all the time. Yeah. Fat chance. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he wasn't smart enough to ask for a train for Christmas. That's his tough luck. <laughs> hey, I just remembered. I've got a train catalog. It's Pigs, but he lent it to me. It's up in my room. Shall I go get it? Let's go up there and look at it together, shall we, Leroy? Pick out the stuff we'll need. Okay. Yeah, come along. Hey, you know what they have now? They have automatic couplers and locomotives that puff smoke even. Will Craig be sore? Yeah. I'm going to clean everything else out of my room and just have trains. I better keep the room locked when I'm not in there in case of the kids. You can play with it anytime you want, though, Unc. And signals. They have automatic signals. <laughs> Pretty excited, aren't you, my boy? Tell you what we'll do. We'll not only get a train, we'll each get an engineer's cap. A well? Sure. Whenever we play with the trains, I'll be the engineer and you can be the fireman. Oh, no. I'm the engineer. You can be the conductor. <laughs> All right, Chief. Whatever you say. You're the boss. Board! Toot, 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 toot. <laughs> Where's the catalog, Leroy? Uh, just a sec, Uncle. I'll find it here somewhere. Maybe it's under this stuff. Oh? You sure you had it? Yeah, it's here, all right. I put it where I'd be sure and find it. Uh, maybe in here. Oh. This room of yours could stand a little straightening up, Leroy. Yeah, I was just going to... Ah, here it is. 
it is, Unc. Well, let's sit down here among the debris and look at it together. Oh, what have you got in your bed there? Huh? I sat on something. Let me see. Oh, it's my toy tank. Well, that's not a very good way to take care of it, Leroy. I don't need it anymore. What the heck? The war's over. It... I certainly hope you'll take better care of your train than that. Oh, sure. I'll take good care of it. Well, good. Let's see here now. Let me show you. Yeah? Here, here's the locomotive I like. The big one, aren't uh, you see? Yeah, yeah. Hudson-type locomotive, real headlight, automatic reverse, firebox glows red, accurate in every detail. 3750. And, and then, then here's the tender that goes with it. That's the coal cart. Yeah. You see, it has a whistle gadget built right into it. 1125. Mm. Let me look at that book, Leroy. Sure. Yeah. Scale model passenger cars, each 875. Mm-hmm. Remote control switch, 650. Automatic crossing gate, 450. Uh, complete Hudson Flyer train outfit. Includes locomotive, tender, three passenger cars, 16 sections of track, two switches, a hundred and... In... Here. Where are you going? Uh, no place. Mm. You know, Leroy, when you come right down to it, the toys you have the most fun with are the toys you make yourself. What do you mean? Uh, how would you like a set of tools, my boy, of your very own? You mean no train? Well, I'll tell you now about trains. The trouble with trains, you, you play with them a few times, and, uh, and, and then you get tired of them. Now, if I got you a train, why, next year you'd have completely outgrown it, my boy. Be just kicking around here getting busted like all this other stuff. Just make you feel bad. Now, I think it'd be much more sensible if... Uh, Leroy, are you listening to what I have to say? What do I want with tools? I can use yours. But if you had tools of your own, my boy, your very own, you're too big a boy for trains and kid stuff like that. I'm not so big. But just think, Leroy, tools. You could make things. Tyrax, tabarets. Some fun. All right. If you're going to be like that about it, if you won't cooperate, we'll just forget about Christmas, that's all. We'll just forget all about it. There'll be no Christmas, that's all. Christmas is for people who cooperate. We'll just give Marjorie all the presents, that's all. Well, why doesn't somebody say something? Would you like some more of something, Mr. Gilsey? Uh, no thanks, Bertie. Where's Leroy? Up in his room. Did you tell him I said to come down? Yes. All right, he can just go without his supper then. He said he didn't want any. He's in bed. In bed? Mr. Gilsleeve, I know it's none of my business, but when a boy don't want to eat, I don't... Now, Bertie, I'll handle this. Yes, sir. Leroy is uh, in bed, you say? Yes. Oh, that's too bad. Confounded, why does Christmas have to come up anyway? Just makes for a lot of trouble. A lot of hard feeling. <sighs> Hope Leroy didn't take me literally when I said there wouldn't be any Christmas. Poor little fellow. After all, he is just a kid. He's probably up there crying his eyes out. Maybe I ought to run up and speak to him, huh? What do you think, Bertie? Why don't you do that, Mr. Gilsey? Uh, will you excuse me, Marjorie? Certainly. But I don't know that Leroy will. <laughs> Uh-huh. Go up and see. Uh, 
I'll put this back in the oven and keep it warm for you, Miss Gilsey. Don't bother, Bertie. I don't deserve it. Poor little tyke. I'm too hard on the boy, that's all. I don't mean to be. It's Christmas, that's what it is. It's your old uncle, Leroy. Mind if I come in? Oh. Hi, Unc. Hi. Well, you don't look particularly heartbroken, I must say. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I, I just uh, thought I might as well go to bed. After all, I have to go to bed sometime, hey, Unc? <laughs> What's that you've got in bed with you? Come on, come on. Now, what is it? Oh, nothing, Uncle. No kidding. I haven't... Come on. You want me to pull off the covers? No, really. I'll show you both my hands. Look. Leroy. I don't know how he got in here, Uncle. I tried to get rid of him like you told me, honest. But he climbed up on the roof and begged me to let him in. Leroy. Oh, please. He hasn't got a home. <laughs> Would you like to keep him, my boy? Keep him? You mean it? We'll see. Do you think you'd rather have the cat than a train, Leroy? Oh, boy, would I? You'd rather have him than a set of tools? Are you kidding? Yeah. Okay, Leroy, you may keep him. Oh, thanks, Uncle. You're a super. Hey, this cat's crazy about me, Uncle. No huh? kidding. I'm going to teach him tricks and everything. That's a very valuable cat, you know. It's... Well, I'm glad you're pleased with him, Leroy. And by the way, I want to apologize for shouting at you the way I did. Oh, that's okay. I guess your old uncle gets off his trolley once in a while. Who doesn't? I make mistakes myself. Oh. <laughs> now, why don't you slip on your bathrobe and come down to supper? Can I bring the cat? All right, bring the cat. Liberty Hall, Christmas comes but once a year. If it came any oftener, we'd never live through it. The Great Gildersleeve will be back again very shortly. Well, these are busy days, all right. Christmas shopping, planning meals, to say nothing of holiday entertaining. So it's good news, I know, that famous Kraft Kitchen Fresh Mayonnaise is back. You'll never again bother to make your own once you try it. Kraft Mayonnaise, you remember, is the superior mayonnaise sure to bring compliments wherever it's served. It has a truly distinctive flavor that comes from the choice ingredients that go into it. Fine salad oil, selected eggs, fragrant vinegar and spices, and as a final touch of perfection, fresh lemon juice. Choose it always for delicate, just-right flavor and for marvelous texture. A special beater patented by Kraft gives Kraft Kitchen Fresh Mayonnaise a creamy, satin smoothness you could never accomplish in your own kitchen. You'll be proud to serve Kraft Mayonnaise. It's once again available in reasonable quantity.
Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It is written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. The music is by Jack Meekin. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley as Leroy, Louise Erickson as Marjorie, and Lillian Randolph as Bertie. Richard Legrand as Mr. Peavy. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company and inviting you to listen in again next Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Plenty of rich, velvety, smooth ice cream. Any flavor you like, always on hand. Sounds swell? It is, and so easy to enjoy when you buy the new craft product called Frizz. F-R-I-Z-Z. Yes, Frizz makes delicious homemade ice cream right in your refrigerator. Real ice cream with plenty of milk and cream in it. Just add water, a little sugar, and freeze according to directions on the package. Made by an exclusive process that retains that fresh cream flavor, it freezes smoothly, gives you six generous servings from one package of frizz. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. by Bird's Eye. Bird's Eye Frosted Foods. Bird's Eye Frosted Foods present the Dinah Shore program of Cornelio De Skinner and Roland Young, Robert Emmett Dolan and his orchestra, the Joseph Lilly Singers, our guest, 20th Century Fox's outstanding comedian, Phil Silvers, and...
leaves have snow and mistletoe and presents on the trees. Christmas is a fine dream where the light everybody, this is Dinah, welcoming you to another Thursday evening program for Bird's Eye Frosted Foods. Hey, Harry. Yes, Dinah? Uh, Harry, while I go over and talk to Joe Lilly about that number we're going to do with the chorus, would you introduce our guest star for this evening, Marty Woolley? Oh, sure, Thank Dinah. you. I'll be right back. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, at this uh, time, we... Harry. We... Oh, hello, Bobby. What's on your mind? Well, the uh, producer of our program just got a telegram from Monty Woolley. Huh? And it said that because of his studio schedule, he can't be here. So instead, he's sending over Phil Silvers. Phil Silvers? Yes. That's bad. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell Dinah this. She'll... Hey, Bobby, wait a minute. I got an idea. What? Listen, who knows what Monty Woolley looks like behind that beard? Nobody. <laughs> True. <laughs> Nobody. I'll bet even Woolley himself has forgotten what he looks like. <laughs> well, what are you getting at? Well, now you just watch. Say, Dinah. Yes, Harry. I'm going to... Well, uh, why don't you introduce our guest, Archie? Well, I'm going to do that, but there's something that I wanted to tell you first. What is it? Monty Woolley has shaved off his beard. (laughs) His beard? Yeah. How could he do such a thing? How could he do it? Well, he took a... Wait a minute. Here he comes now. You just look for yourself. Gee, you're right, Harry. He shaved off his beard. How could he do it? Glad to see you. Glad to see you. Hello, Harry, you you boy, you. Hello, Dinah, you you girl, you. How could you do it? Oh, it was nothing. They told me you needed me, and here I am, rare and go, just had a big, thick, juicy steak. How could you do it? Oh, I forced myself. <laughs> and now for some laughs. How could you do it? Oh, it's nothing. I just put on my red nose and baggy pants, and away we go, laughing and screaming. <laughs> A laugh. What are you staring at? How could you do it? A man of your popularity. How could you do it? How could you do it? How could you do it? What did you have for lunch? Parrots? <laughs> you know, all those people loved you just the way you were. How could you do such a thing? Dinah, what did I do? With a face like that, how could you shave off your beard? My beard? 
Yes, your beard. What beard? Will you tell me what this is all about? Oh, that beautiful beard, that wonderful beard. That gorgeous beard. Beard, beard, beard. Dinah, will you stop beating around the bush? Oh, that's clever. <laughs> Why do I say what they write? <laughs> Pardon me just a moment. I think maybe I better explain this whole thing after all. Dinah, this is not Monty Beard. Uh, Monty Woolley. <laughs> no, this is Phil Silvers. This isn't Monty Woolley? No. Oh, I feel terrible about this. Well, I feel awful about it, too. You want to know something? I'm beginning to feel a little disappointed myself. <laughs> Now, listen, don't you feel too badly about this, Phil. Honestly, we're really glad to have you here. Yeah, but Marty, you well, have to I know. Field, but you, know. you can understand how I feel. <laughs> I'm, I'm just right. a little disappointed because Marty Woolley promised to take me over to 20th Century Fox and show me through the studio. Yeah, and, and of course, we knew that only a big star could do that. Foolish boy. <laughs> just happens that I'm a star at that very same studio. I only, hmm? the other day, I started making a swell picture there called Four Jills and a Jeep. Four Jills and a Jeep? Yes, Dinah, that's the story about those four wonderful girls who went overseas to entertain our boys. Oh. Yeah, well, what part do you play in the... Oh, you see, I play the part of a sergeant who drives the girls around in the Jeep. Oh. You know what a sergeant is. That's no. the G.I. version of a mother-in-law or everybody. <laughs> well, here I am making you hysterical with laughter when you really want to go to the studio. So just come along with me. I can fix everything. <laughs> Phil, I'm really excited about watching them make movies at a studio. Oh, I'm glad you're happy. Oh, Dinah, there's the studio building right over there. Oh, Harry. Look at all the stars' names up in lights. Yeah, look at them. Tyrone Power, George Montgomery, Henry Fonda, Gene Tierney, Geraldine Noonan, B.S. Pulley, Sid Breckner, Malachi Kelp, Rufus. See, Phil, where is your name on the thing there? Keep reading, keep reading. <laughs> oh! name up there in lights. Harry, there it is. Oh, that's right. Hey, what's that? Oh, look, Phil, your name just went out. How do you like that? Every time they put my name between Betty Grable's and Alice Faye's, it blows a fuse. <laughs> well, never mind, kids. Come on, Ron, and I'll take you into the studio. Just follow me. Careful now. Gee. Gee, it's cold and damp down here. You know something? This is like the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, if we keep on, we might run into Nelson Eddy. <laughs> and I think maybe like something and something and everything. Lost my head for a minute. Watch yourself now. Well, here we are in the studio. I can see that, Bill, but there's one thing I don't understand. Why did we have to come in through that manhole? Oh, you poor girl. I forgot you have open-toed shoes on, huh? <laughs> Phil, after you a star coming in through the manhole, why, I can hardly believe it. Harry, I can hardly believe it, too. But there it was in my contract. <laughs> I'm in through the manhole, it says. Come on, Phil, I'm anxious to meet some of those stars. Yeah, how about those stars? Okay. Oh, kids, you're really in luck. There's Betty Grable standing right over there behind that screen. Where? Which? Oh. Wait a minute. How can you tell who's behind the screen? All you can see underneath is a pair of legs. What else do you need with Betty Grable? Her driver's license? <laughs> Where have you been, boy? Look, Phil, two men are walking over toward your dressing room. Oh, yes, that's Daryl Zanuck and my producer. They probably want to congratulate me on my last picture. Yeah, well, they've got a funny way of doing it. They're picking up your dressing room. 
Look, Phil, they're carrying it over to the edge of the cliff. Hey! <laughs> they, uh, they trun it over. That's a strange way to act, throwing my dressing room over the cliff. Well, they'll have to give me a very good reason for doing a thing like that. Excuse me, I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Well, be careful. Boy, he's mad. Oh, is he ever telling them off, Dinah? Well, here he comes back. Yeah, well, here he comes. Say, Phil, uh, why did they throw your dressing room over the cliff? Oh, everything's okay. They gave me a good reason. Oh, really? What was the reason? They thought I was in it. <laughs> Next week, uh, Phil, you know, working with you this way reminds me, I dreamed last night that I died. Oh, Harry, why do you say such things? Well, why? I, I did. I, but you were in the dream, too, Phil. It, it was so real. You see, I had just died, and I floated through space until I came to a big gate. And there you were, standing at the entrance, holding your hand out. Harry Von Zell. Glad to see you. Glad to see you. Welcome to Oblivion, Harry. Is this Oblivion? Where else would you feel at home? Where else? Look, just tell me how I get by this gate, please. You'll have to qualify, dear boy. Qualify. What on earth did you do to get in here? Don't tell me you haven't heard me on the Dinah Shore program extolling the merits of those marvelous bird's-eye fruits and vegetables. Why do you fight me like this? I only ask you a civil question. Well, I'm trying to answer. Oh, please. You see, bird's-eye fruits and vegetables are the finest of high-quality foods. They're specially grown fruits and vegetables picked at the peak of their sunny goodness. Then immediately after picking, they're sorted, cleaned, prepared, and quick frozen all within about four hours. Yes, I can see. Hasty, but tasty. That's quick... What did you say? Quick frozen. Oh, no, Harry. Oh, yes, they are. That's the point. Bird's eye quick freezing seals in all that fresh-from-the-farm flavor. The vitamins and minerals captures the goodness of these grand fruits and vegetables right on the spot. Stop it. Stop but, it. But just look at this package of bird's eye quick frozen spinach I brought with me. Every leaf tender, clean, and crisp. No sand, no grit. It's all ready to pop out of the package and cook. With no waste, no work for you, a saving of about 20 minutes preparation time. The grandest spinach ever. I'd, uh, I'd give it to you, but it's the only package of bird's eye quick frozen food I have. Then in that case, go away. Go away. Go away? But I'm dead. Where can I go? Brother, you're in the wrong place. If you don't want that frozen spinach to thaw, take it and go to... What? Heaven. Thank you. Fools you, you fools. <laughs> girl has a birthday, it takes an FBI man to find out her exact age. But next week, a grand old girl celebrates her 168th birthday, and I'm speaking of the Navy. In our land, where there is no royalty, Navy has been our queen and our mother, caring for all the nation, for the nation from the day it was born. And as all mothers have suffered, so has Navy suffered. Part of her heart lies buried in the waters of Pearl Harbor. 
and under every wave that washes the long road to Berlin and Tokyo. And like every mother, Navy goes on giving more than she asks in return. But we know that on Navy Day, her birthday, she won't mind a few little gifts like another war bond and our resolve to be worthy of the sacrifice she is making for us. So tonight, here's a song in honor of her boys and girls. The very thought of you And I forget to do The little ordinary things That everyone ought to do I'm living in a kind It may seem to me everything the mere idea of you, the longing here for you, you'll never know how slow the moments go. nuggets of gold lying among the rows of corn shocks that resemble little tent cities. The rain that falls is trying hard to become snow. The nights are sharp and the mornings are crisp with the bluest of autumn skies.
to New York for our weekly visit with our favorite married couple, William and Mary, played by Cornelia Otis Skinner and Roland Young. It seems that very early this morning, Mary got the idea that the living room would look much better if it were decorated with some autumn leaves. So nothing would do but that William must get up at 6 a.m. and accompany her to the country to gather some. Will's had a pretty rough day of it, and as the scene opens, we find them on a suburban train returning to New York. So let's go see William and Mary. Mary. Oh, hello, Will. Where have you been? I've been for a walk through seven cars looking for a seat. Didn't you find any? Yes, but unfortunately I was too little and too late. <laughs> oh, poor Willie. Mary, we still have almost an hour before we get to New York, and my feet are killing me. Ah, oh, poor Willie. I wouldn't be poor Willie if you just moved that pile of leaves off the seat beside you and let me sit down. <laughs> but darling, these are those heavenly autumn leaves. And I'll be your heavenly husband if I don't sit down. <laughs> oh, sorry, darling. If there isn't another seat on the train, of course. Only be careful of the leaves. After all the trouble I went to to gather them. Mary, stop worrying about those leaves. Do you realize I've been on my feet for over an hour? No, you weren't, dear. I saw you perched on the arm of a seat. Which was infinitely more painful than standing. I have a permanent wave in the wrong place. <laughs> Baby, I'm sorry. Come sit down. On those things? I feel like a mother hen. No, 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 no. Just put those branches up there in the rack over your head. Very well. Mm. Careful, Will. You're crushing that big mm. red leaf. Oh, dearie, you're breaking off those little branches. Oh, Mary, I... I don't see why we can't spend one day in the country without you bringing back armfuls of massive vegetation. In autumn, you denude off of a forest of branches, and in spring, it's great bushes of lilac. Oh, you love it. You know you do, William. Yes, but why can't we spend a day in the country admiring the landscape without having to carry it back with us? Beautiful colors they are. There. Yeah. Uh, they're up there. Now, if I can just rest for a moment. Of course you can, darling. I'm not so sure. I ate too much lunch. <laughs> feel like a blowfish. You know, you look a little like a blowfish. <laughs> That's grossly unkind. Have you ever seen a blowfish? No. There, you see? Why don't you close your eyes? Try to get a snooze. I want to finish this detective story. Strikes me you need a snooze, too. Uh-uh. I can't sleep sitting up. No snooze for me. No snooze for you. Oh. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> oh, Will, look, look, look. What? Where? Look at what? Oh, never mind, dear. We've passed it now. <laughs> Mary, don't ever do a thing like that to me again. I'm sorry, Will. Go back to sleep, dear. You think it's safe? <laughs> yes, but I don't know how much time you'll have. My watch says nearly six. Is it going? <laughs> no. Then it must be right. <sighs> I wish I could sleep sitting up. Why can't you? Oh, because the moment I relax. Instead of going to sleep, I go to pieces. What do you mean? I do. I, I disintegrate. My spine caves in and my wrist gives way and I fall on the floor. You don't have to disintegrate if you put your mind to it. How can I put my mind on anything when I'm trying to lose consciousness? You can sort of lock your joints, you know. <laughs> the way a dozing cab horse does. 
Are you comparing me to a cab horse? Of course, so. I I just said. Oh, go on back to sleep. Uh... Will, look out! You said something, dear. It's all right. I thought one of the branches was going to fall, but it isn't. Sit still. They're all right. I'm terribly relieved to hear it. Uh, they're caught on the emergency rope. That may stop the train. Anyone who stops a train for no reason is liable to arrest. You cannot arrest a branch. Go back to sleep. Seems to me it would have been a better arrangement if you kept the leaves beside you on the seat and put me up in the rack. What do you think you are, a raccoon? That's not funny. Now, try once more to dream a most beautiful... Help! Oh, Lord! Oh, well, hold still. Don't move. You're spoiling the leaves. I'll get them off. Now, just sit still. You can tell me you're still in my nose. They're not hurting you at all. Now, keep quiet. There's the last one. What's the matter? I'm just sorry Luther Burbank couldn't have met you. He only crossed trees with other trees. You crossed them with your husband. (laughs) Oh, well, at least I have a whole half hour in which to sleep. Mary, that's right, isn't it? Uh Mm-hmm. It's a through train. We're due in New York in half a... This was a through train. Well, yes, dearie, but, but the, the timetable must have been wrong. Come on, Will. Unless we hurry, we'll never find a seat in the other train. We won't anyhow. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, here we are. You see, there are lots of seats. Ah, Sit down, Will, and relax. Mary, if you say that once more, I think I shall jump out the window. What? Well, anyway, I... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, what is it? Where are you going? Mary, we forgot your leaves. They're on the other train. Oh, well, don't worry about that, dear. Sit down. It's all right. Huh? You don't care? No, dear. I left them on purpose. You what? Yes, Will. I suddenly realized I was being very silly. After all, we have plenty of leaves in our backyard at home, so why bother with any more? Mary, it's at times like this that I know you're divine. Oh, Will, darling, really? Mm-hmm. No mere mortal could be so incredible. <laughs> and now back to Dinosaur in Hollywood. given her boy the best she's got in tender care, wise advice, and, of course, good home cooking. Now, many of you find your boy in uniform, and you'll be glad to know that when it comes to food, the armed forces are taking up where you left off, giving your boy the best food this country has to offer. I know because, among other fine foods, great great quantities of bird's eye frosted foods are being served to the boys in camp, delicious farm-fresh vegetables. So rest assured, your boy is still getting the best. You bet he is, Dinah. And that's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that when you go into your grocery store or delicatessen and ask for a specific bird's-eye product, you may not always be able to get it. But when that happens, remember why. And get acquainted with another bird's-eye fruit, vegetable, fish, poultry, or meat instead. 
They're all equally delicious. Just be sure when you look in the Frosted Foods case to make your selection that you choose the package with the name Bird's Eye on it. To make certain of the highest quality in frozen foods, remember, better buy Bird's Eye. Remember, too, that every bit of food is precious today, a fighting force that keeps our allies and our boys on the march and keeps our home front workers healthy. Don't waste food if you don't want to waste time in finishing the war. I guess most every youngster is the same. When he's little, he thinks that out west the grass is greener, the sunset bigger, and the stars brighter. But he grows up and learns that a cottage in Vermont or an apartment on 52nd Street are no different if the people inside are happy. But still, there's something about the West. I guess maybe it's the fact that the old days linger on in its music. The days of 49, the Overland Trail, boom towns that became ghost towns, the Buffalo Stampede, a pound of gold dust fed on the jump of a frog, homesteading on the range and the war between sheep men and cattlemen, train robberies and gunfights in the sheriff's posse. Yeah, those days are gone. But the West has its own way of keeping the memories alive in songs like this. Never flirt with a gal named Tess down on Texas way. Cause if you do, I'm telling you, here's what you'll have to say. Lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Pistol back and mama. Lay that pistol down. Say, Dinah, yes, I got no? the strangest gift. Some nylon hose today. Yeah? What good are nylon hose to me? I guess I'll throw them away. No. Oh, put that pistol down, babe. Lay that bing bang down. Pistol pack in the mama. Put the thing down before it goes up and hurts somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Pappy had some coupons. He didn't have a car. He used the gas in the fireplace, and now he's way up there. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe. giving us a tumble tonight. By the way, what are you doing next Thursday night? It's just a suggestion, but if you aren't busy, drop in, because uh, we'll be looking for you. Good night, everybody. Skinner, Roland Young, Robert Emmett Dolan's orchestra, and the Joseph Lilly Singers will be brought to you again next Thursday by Bird's Eye Frosted Foods. 
Our guest will be RKO's brilliant new comedian, Wally Brown. This is Harry Von Zell saying, better bye, bird's eye. Goodbye until next week. Harry, do women always have the last word? Well, when there's an argument, Dinah, yes. But uh, there's no argument here, is there, Dinah? No, Harry, there isn't. So, uh, I get the last word, don't I, Dinah? Yes, Harry. Okay. <clears throat> this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. brings you Walt Disney and his gang. Yes, they're all here. Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Hello. The Three Little Pigs. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Pluto the Pup. Clara Cluck. Donald Duck. And all the others. And here's the original Silly Symphony Orchestra in a medley of Silly Symphony tunes featuring the voices of the original characters. First, the Three Little Pigs and the song which swept the world.
You should throw your Sunday pions like those other foolish ions. Come on, let's ploy them, sing them dions. say, who's afraid of the big bad wind? Who's afraid of the old hard water? Who's afraid of pots and pans, dishes, mops, and brooms? Wind, weather, housework. Defy them with Heinz, Honey and Almond Creek. No matter how windy or cold the weather gets, or how much housework you have to do, you'll never have to worry about rough, red, chapped hands again if you use Heinz regularly. It's almost magical the way Heinz makes raw, sore hands stop hurting and starts right in to heal the most painful cracks. Let the children use Heinz on their chapped faces and hands and on their red, raw knees when they come in out of the cold. Heinz eases the drawn, dry feeling that makes the skin burn when children come indoors. You know when children's hands are rough and chapped, dirt gets ground in, and the skin looks grimy no matter how thoroughly it's scrubbed. But if their hands are softened and healed by Heinz, it will save a lot of unnecessary suffering, and they'll be easier to keep clean. Hand lotion pads come and go. 
But for 60 years, women have looked upon Heinz as the one dependable protection against chatter. The tried and proved way to keep hands smooth and lovely, even in the bitterest weather. For in addition to its healing balms, Heinz also contains cosmetic ingredients, which beautify the skin and keep it young-looking. And now, it is my privilege to introduce the personality behind all of the world-beloved Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony. Ladies and gentlemen, Walt Disney. <laughs> That's enough. Whoa! Thanks, gang. Hello, everybody. How'd you like to be the father of my family at Christmas time? I mean, did you ever try to pick out a Christmas necktie for a horse? Or rubber boots for a young duck? <laughs> Don't worry, Donald. You'll get your boots. <laughs> Bless his heart. Well, we'll hear from him later in the program. <laughs> oh, Donald. Nice, not you. Nice little fellow. Now, our program tonight is to be a surprise party. It's the gang's Christmas present for... Donald, put it down. I told you not to bring that pop gun to the studio. Yes, you, and don't point it at people. <laughs> boys will be boys. Yes, the gang has gotten up the entire program by themselves. They've named it quite appropriately the Christmas stocking. And each one of them has put a surprise for us, Donald, in the stock. Don put it down. <laughs> Donald, don't point that gun at Clara Clark. <laughs> Why, if it went off accidentally, you'd, you'd hit her. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Give it to him, Clara. <laughs> you bet she wants to fight. Sing him, Clara. Let him up, Clara. You win. That's enough. <laughs> you, you got just what you deserve. Shame on you. And if you hit anyone else with that gun, I'll break it right over my knee. Yes. Donald, give me that gun. Give it here. So you don't think I meant it? Well, I'll show you. There, let that be a lesson to you. And from now on, I want you to be a good duck. Say, Mr. Disney to you, Donald. Donald, just one more word out of you and I'll call the boogeyman. How? Why, I'll just clap my hands three times and they'll pop right out at you. Okay, I warned you. Here goes. I guess we got rid of Donald Duck for a while. And now, Miss Minnie Mouse will take the first surprise from our Christmas stocking. Here she is. <laughs> Donald, where'd you come from? Well, what do you want now? No, Donald, not now. Wait for your turn. Donald, give me those bells. Oh, I don't want to fight. 
But if I hear any more out of you, I'll sell you back to Joe Penner. Well, there goes Donald, and here comes Minnie. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Minnie, I hear you have a big surprise for us in the Christmas stocking. Uh-huh. Open your mouth and shut your eyes. Oh, no, not with Donald in the studio. Just tell us what the big surprise is. <laughs> it's my two little birds, Jenny Wren and Cock Robin. Are they going to sing for us? Uh-huh. <laughs> Minnie's going to play the violin while her two birds, Cock Robin and Jenny Wren, sing the love duet from their new silly symphony, Who Killed Cock Robin? And I might mention that this is our first mystery thriller. We defy you to guess who killed him. In fact, if you even suspect who killed Cock Robin, we'll give you, well, we'll give you Donald Duck. Already, Minnie? Uh-huh. Wait till I give my birds a kiss. Down to right, Jenny, then. Hey, no, no. Higher, Jenny, higher. <laughs> That's right, precious. Come on, Cock Robin. Hop up on Minnie's violin. Get your pit. Listen. Oh, that's perfect. All right. your little birds will be a sensation on the screen. Oh, thank you, Rob. And while we're on the subject of pictures, I suppose you know that from now on all of Mickey's pictures will be in Technicolor. <laughs> and will Mickey's pants be red? <laughs> yes, indeed. And I think it's about time his face was red, too. Let's get him up here to the microphone. All right. Yoo-hoo. Oh, Mickey. Come on and bring your pig. Okay, Minnie. Suey, suey, suey. Hello. <laughs> I got a surprise. Many birds are okay, but I got something better than that. Wait, hey, wait till you hear my singing pig. First, I gotta get him in pitch. Well, that's good enough. We ain't so particular, Minnie. Presenting Mr. and Mrs. Patty Pig. That was beautiful. Oh, he ain't heard nothing. Hand me that bucket of frogs, Minnie. Here it is. 
<laughs> See the predator frogs? I'll catch them. I got one. Hold them, Walt. Yeah. <laughs> Steady, boy. <laughs> Is there a blotter in the house? Hey, where's my tree frog? Here he is, Mickey. Thanks, Goofy. Introducing the Mill Pond Brothers. Hopple, Turple, and Purple. <laughs> Must have been something yet. <laughs> well, here they are. Well, the old songs are always best. But let's see what the orchestra can do with a brand new tune called Heidi Hades from a silly symphony, The Goddess of Spring. Sing the wicked Heidi, oh Heidi, Heidi. 
approaching. It is Manrico, the Duke of Lysol. 
greets Manrico. Well, Other lover, Don Pedico. <laughs> Shoving Manrico aside, Don Pedico pours out his heart. the blows. The lovers draw their swords. They come together. It is a battle to the death. Manrico and Don Pebico both fall to the ground, mortally wounded. Leonora rushes to the ground beside them. She realized that she has lost both her lovers. So she takes out a vial of poison and drinks it. <laughs> then she tries to revive the lovers so they can all die together. She bathes their wounds with Heinz honey and almond cream. They open their eyes. They see fair Leonora sinking to the ground. She is breathing her last. Her heart is pounding. Three are dead, but they struggle to their feet and sing as they have never sung before. Stockings are 
Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Disney and his gang in wishing you all a merry, merry Christmas. We hope you've enjoyed this broadcast of Mickey Mouse and the other famous Disney characters. Screenland Magazine is offering prizes in a contest of letters telling why you like Mickey Mouse. You'll find all of the details of the contest in the February issue of Screenland Magazine, which is now on the newsstands. <laughs> The Hall of Fame is presented by the makers of Heinz Honey and Almond Cream, which throughout the bitterest weather keeps hard-working hands smooth and comfortable, lovely to look at and thrilling to touch. Next week, the Hall of Fame brings a return engagement of those two celebrated personalities of the screen, Charlie Ruggles and Mary Bowman. The Hall of Fame has come to you from the NBC studios in Hollywood. John McIntyre speaking. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Comes now the twins, Philip and Dennis, with a touching saga about the snowman. You ready, fellas? Sure, sure Dad. On a Christmas Eve, a happy snowman stood and dreamed beside a cottage door. How the children love their friend the snowman. And the funny fedora he wore fedora. When they said goodnight They told the snowman That a gift for him Was on the tree So he called himself A lucky snowman Just like one Of the family was he The cottage porch Looked beautiful and bright The holly wreath Was turned on for the night when all at once it caught on fire and fell He couldn't knock, he couldn't ring the bell He couldn't run for help, he couldn't call But then he had to save the children after all He knew he'd melt away and yet the snowman Threw himself across the burning floor How the children missed their friend the snowman but they'll always remember him for A heart that was brave and the joy that he gave And the funny fedora he wore Oh, great little guy, happy snowman, I'll never forget him I love that Christmas feeling It does my heart so much good Strangers we meet all seem like friends And the world's just a neighborhood I'd like to hitch a ride with joy of Gordon, maybe. 
jealous of me. You couldn't say I ran away because after we rode, he'll drive me home. May you and when they see this morning, what do they say with a look of delight? There goes the boy who rode us happy last night. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, blue, oh, blue.